Hello, friends, and welcome to... Ooh, look at that. Ooh. And welcome to episode 550 of the Juicebox podcast. That number took me by surprise for some reason. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Nina, who has type 1, and so do other people in her family. So there's a lot going on here. It's incredibly interesting. And of course, you're going to love it. While you're loving it, remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. That I love that part. Always consult a physician. That comes out of my mouth like, boom, one, two, three. Scott, what's your name? My name is Scott. Scott, what do you say in the middle of the thing? Always consult a physician. Always consult a physician. It just, I can't not say it. Always consult a physician. I might have to edit that out. That was terrible. No, you know what? I'm leaving it in. Always consult a physician. It's a lot about breathing. Like, always consult a physician. It's almost like it's one word. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare. You see it? It just boom, 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 rolls out. All right. Um, podcast, here it comes. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. You can support type 1 diabetes research and the Juicebox podcast. All you have to do is go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. They're looking for type 1 adults and type 1 caregivers who are from the United States to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few minutes, right there from your phone or your computer. I mean, you can do it just sitting on your sofa. It's super easy to do. I did it in about seven or eight minutes for Arden, and you can too. It's completely HIPAA compliant, absolutely anonymous, and you'll be helping people with type 1 diabetes just by giving them simple answers to simple questions. Questions about living with type 1. So if you've ever thought about supporting people with type 1 through research, this is an incredibly easy way for you to do it. You don't have to go to a site or see a doctor. And the questions are shockingly simple. I was actually surprised when I took the survey. It's not going to take you a lot of time, and they're not doing any deep diving or probing questions that you're going to think, oh, that's too personal. I don't want to share that. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Support people living with type 1 and support the podcast all in just under 10 minutes. Hi, Scott. I'm Nina Izikowicz. I have been type 1 diabetic since I'm 17 years old, so that I'll let you do some math here, uh, 23 years. And I also have a type 1 diabetic daughter who was diagnosed about a year and a half ago. So you're 40. I am 40. Look at that. 7 and 3 is 10. 2 and 1 is 3. And you carry the 1 and you get a 4. There you go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I wish. I wish it just... Does it like just pop into other people's heads? Do other people hear like 23 and 17 and just go, that's 40? depends on what you're, what you do, like what your life is like. Like I'm a realtor. So numbers are like, you know, I do that all day long, I guess. Yeah. I was listening to you talk, right? And consciously deciding to add up your, <laughs> your, your these two numbers. 
And I could see a whiteboard in my head. <laughs> and it was like 23, 17, 7 and 3, 0. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm I'm probably a moron. Uh, but that's, you did it. You did it. Well, I did it. <laughs> look, look, look what we're celebrating. Uh <laughs> Plus, now talking about it has made me completely forget the salient details of it. So you've had diabetes since you were 17? Correct. So for 23 years. Gotcha. And I have to tell you, I ran my eyes. I began to run my eyes over your email last night before I went to bed and stopped myself. (laughs) Because I was like, you know what? Let's just do this while we're recording. So you've had type 1 since you were 17. Your daughter was just diagnosed? She was diagnosed in October 2019. Okay, year and a half-ish. Yes. Right. But I also have a type 1 father, type 1 brother, type 1 niece. So <laughs> those that say it doesn't run in the family, come meet me. I, I don't know who says that. Uh, <laughs> but, I've heard it. I've definitely heard people say that. Do you find It's not it? genetic. I'm like, really? I beg to differ. I, it's hard to wrap your head around the idea that it's not I, I always want. I always thought people just said that so you felt comfortable. Like I always, I, I don't know. You know. Like your daughter's diagnosed, and they go, "Don't worry, it's not genetic." Right. Like yeah, as right. you're looking at your other seven kids behind you, thinking, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god," you know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a doctor that could come on and tell me the the real skinny. But I, I type one, forget type one. Autoimmune issues appear to travel in family lines. I, For that sure. seems obvious to me. Uh, that everyone in your family ended up with type 1 is fascinating. Are there other ty- um, autoimmunes or just type 1? So I have thyroid issues, hypothyroidism. I have a, a different daughter who also developed that. Um, I have a niece with celiac. You know, there's stuff. There's definitely stuff. Do you have Hashimoto's or do you have No, so my daughter does. I do not. Interesting. So you have hypothyroidism she has hashimoto's how old's the hashimoto's daughter 15 15 how old was how old's the girl with type one nine do you have any other kids i have two other kids are they like themselves (laughs) (laughs) you know i think that like we just take one day at a time here and everything is doable like everything that we're dealing with is manageable so we'll take it plus i don't want more of it but we'll take what we have i know plus i'm starting to feel like if thyroid medication ever becomes incredibly valuable, I'm going to be wealthy because yes. I'll, <laughs> I'll just start a black market where I sell tyrosine to people, totally. <laughs> which I wouldn't do in case anyone's listening. And yeah, please, I'm just saying. Uh, okay. So daughter, you know what? I got to tell you, Nina, I'm going to need a couple of, I'm going to need a notepad for you. Hold on one second. <laughs> I, I just realized I don't have a clean sheet of paper here. I'm about to get behind. Uh, nine. Type 1, 15, Hashimoto's, you're 40, type 1, hypothyroidism. Your dad? Type 1. Dad, type 1. Who else? I have two brothers. One is type 1. And his daughter is type 1. Daughter type 1. Okay. Anything else? That's it. One, two, three. For five type ones, one, two, three thyroids. Good times. Wow. You're getting close to like a Christmas countdown song. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. No kidding. Okay. So (sighs) give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) People are like, Scott just knows the the questions to ask. Not when there are this many questions. Scott doesn't know what question to ask next. I'm Uh, ready. I'm ready. Go for it. I'm going to start with what made you 
want to be on the podcast, I guess. So I have to say when my daughter was diagnosed and we can kind of get to that whenever you're ready, I don't want to jump in, but I, it was a different, it was on the other side of it. As much as I knew a lot and honestly knew more than everyone in the hospital was trying to teach us and educate us. I was like, just get me out of here. I know more than you're telling me, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't know what it was like to be a parent of a child with type one. And I don't, I think I was on a, I must've been on a Facebook group and I saw something about juice box podcast. I quickly went to, you know, look at what it was and I started listening. And I, I guess I know you've had other type one parents on before, but I felt it as like, I was learning about type one from the other side of it and things that I was already doing. Like I never, from day one, I never counted carbs. Um, I was never hospitalized when I was diagnosed. So I kind of just did my own thing. Mm-hmm. Like I had a brother who was diagnosed years before me. So I, I basically diagnosed myself. I was 17 years old. I was going to the bathroom a lot. I was like, Oh, this isn't normal. I, took blood, his blood sugar machine, changed the needle, cleaned my finger. I was like, oh, I, was, I don't remember. I was probably 350, 380, something like that. I was like, okay. Went to find my parents. I was like, yeah, I think I have diabetes, guys. <laughs> they were like, and, that's fine. We already have a drawer for that. So right, Exactly. <laughs> um, and I remember they called the pediatrician and he said, like, you know, let's just start on a little bit of insulin, but there's no need to go to the hospital. Like, you guys know what you're doing and we don't need to, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in DKA. I like, I must've caught it somewhat early. Mm-hmm. And so I never really got that education, which I guess in some ways might've been better. Cause I'm not the type of person that could have handled counting carbs. Like I just, I was on, um, shots for years, like needles and not even pens, but needles and vials for years. I don't remember when I made the switch to pens. I don't even think it was for like a good amount of time. I think I really was on needles and vials for a long time. And the pens only I used occasionally like travel. I don't know why it was like a luxury. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was an insurance thing or just, I was used, I was very comfortable. Like I never, this is what I know. This works for me. I don't need to go on a pump. I'm not interested. Like this is years ago. Can I ask? um, Yeah. Because it seems just when you're talking, like if I had to guess, you're more of a, like a self-starter than waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. A hundred percent. And when a problem comes in your face, you think we can do it, not, oh my God, we're going to die. Yeah. I think that's always been my attitude. Like, okay, like this is not fun, but I'll deal with it. And I'm, I'm incredibly interested always in this small aspect of people that one person can hear something and think, and they, and they shrink and they're like, oh, no, like, who will help me with this? Where do I hide? How do I get away from this? And some people hear that thing and they're like, I'm going to get on a horse and point a sword at people and run forward and see what happens. It's super interesting, um, the different responses that can come you out. I don't people. think you have a choice sometimes. Like, also, I guess it wasn't like, wait, what? What is type one? What is diabetes? What is this? Like, it was in my family. I knew I grew up with a brother who had it. So it wasn't like. I can't live with this. What am I going to do? Mm. It was like, okay, how are we going to figure this out now? Yeah. It's just, um, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's just fascinating. Cause I, I just kind of literally last week finished a conversation with somebody and we never really dug into their sibling, but their sibling got type one too, and just didn't handle it. Like they were in the exact same situation as you were, meaning they had an older sibling who had had type one diabetes. They were diagnosed and they just, they just did the exact opposite of you. And it's not like the person's, like, I'm sure, you know, they're like 
kind, nice, educated, you know what I mean? Like thoughtful. They just, that first reaction seems to be so important about. Yeah. Different personalities, yeah, I guess. It just is, it's that simple, I think, but it's, it's just fascinating to hear that. I mean, you really just, you, I mean, listen to what you did. You diagnosed yourself. <laughs> you didn't go to the hospital and you just figured it out. What did figure it out mean? Cause that's 23 years ago. How, what was your measurements for success in health then? So, I mean, I was, I was a senior in high school, so I was not, the one thing I said from the beginning was like, my close friends will know, but this is not something I'm like shouting from the rooftops. Like, I don't want everyone to take pity on me. I, I hated the like, oh, I have a sugar-free piece of cake for you or you're coming. I was like, please don't like, I don't want that. I don't need that. It is not actually sugar-free. It does not do anything different than that chocolate cake that's sitting right there. <laughs> um, and I just didn't want it, that conversation. I was very private about it. Yeah. Um, I also was planning to go abroad to study um, my freshman year of college. So that was like something my parents, I know, were like, okay, like it's, I think I was diagnosed October and I was going away that like following school year. So we had like just under a year to kind of get everything into place because that was clearly happening still. And somehow we did, like we just made it work. You know, I, I, at the very beginning, I remember taking like oat bran pills. Like my pediatrician, I think also had either type two or something. And he was very, he was experimenting with these oat bran pills. And I was swallowing so many pills before I put anything in my mouth. And for like a couple of days I was doing it. And the truth is maybe it was helping. Maybe I was honeymooning, who knows? But I think the, like, the thought was that the oat bran would dissolve. It sounds like if you met this guy today, he'd be like, I'm going to get you a diffuser and we're going to yeah, put some, exactly. some wonderful and, smells in it. And at one point I looked at my parents and I'm like, I'd rather just stick myself. Like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not even hungry for food after I swallow these pills. I filled up on the pills. <laughs> yeah. So I just, it was like, a, I don't know if it was a couple of weeks, couple of days. I don't remember, but I remember carrying around like little Ziploc bags of pills. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is not working for me. Like I'll just inject and be done with it. And, were you, and that was it. Were you using regular MPH? I was using, yeah, I was, I believe it was N and R. Okay. Um, and I remember my mother was very into like different businesses, did different things. And at one point, it must have been after I was diagnosed. I could be wrong. I don't remember so much, but she, we had my father, we had my brother and we had me. So we had all these glass vials of insulin around and it made her crazy because they were constantly falling out of the fridge and she's practical and said like, there's got to be something that we can, you know, make to go around these bottles that protects them. And she developed, I think she called it the insuleave, 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 something. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it never really like, she sold a few of them. I mean, this is way before eBay and right. internet shops and Etsy years ago. She sold a few of them. I don't even know how, word of mouth, I guess, and then fizzled out. But like, I remember like a, few, like a few years ago looking and I'm like, look at this, like all of these products and all of these diabetes stores. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'm interested by all that too. Like we are very minimalistic around here about stuff like that. So like I have a small, like, I don't know, it's probably six or seven inches long, four or five inches wide at tall enough that an, an insulin vial can stand up in it. And we just, I wrap a rubber band around Arden's insulin vials and put it in that and shove it in the back of the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> and then everyone we use just comes forward and it gets jammed in with the butter. And if it looks right. like it has butter on it, somebody wipes it off before they <laughs> use it. 
I feel like also now the, the active vial that we're using sits out on a dresser because we're constantly doing pump changes now. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I kept it in the fridge. You needed to inject. You went to the fridge, take took it out. It fell out. There's less in and out of a fridge, I would say. So less. Yeah, less I, I have no trouble with opening a vial and leaving it out in like in an air in a, an air conditioned environment. I don't worry about it. And to be honest, during the winter, it's not like we're heating the place to 85 exactly. degrees. You know, it's uh, it's usually about 68 or maybe 70 in here. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't see, as long as you don't have it out for more than a month, I've never really seen any big deal with it work. Yeah. So I just feel like the way I've started using insulin over the years just developed into like, okay, it could sit out for a while, you know. Do you not think that some people just like to buy, um, what would you call them? Like chachis? Yeah. Stuff, right? Right. Stuff. I I, I might admit to being one of those people for certain things, especially when my daughter was diagnosed, I felt like I had to buy everything and anything that Mm -hmm. would make her excited or happy. And, you know, the pump peel stickers and the Dexcom patches and whatever it was. And she used them for a bit. And now that like, you know, she went from seven to nine, it's like, oh, okay. Like once in a while, she'll change the sticker on her pump or, but I did whatever I needed to do to make her excited about this. Yeah. yeah I, I don't not get that. I just think some people lean into um, the most recent example I have is Kelly got me like this little drone. So you just fly it up in the air. And I I joined a Facebook group to try to learn about it. And the, before you know it, people are like, ah, I've bought a different color prop. I bought a sticker to put on it. I bought this to do it. I'm going to get this. <laughs> I'm like, what? It goes up in the air. You can't see it anymore. What, right. What? I don't understand the point of this. It could literally look like a giant turd. And a hundred feet up in the air, you wouldn't know, and it wouldn't matter. Like, I don't understand why it matters. Everything's uh, a business. Yeah, I, I, people just get really wrapped up in, you know. I mean, and I can think all the way back to when I was a little kid. You could buy like you could buy tips for your shoelaces to make them different colors. I would see right. people do that, and I'd be like, "Wait, what? <laughs> why, why do you care? <laughs> just, when's the last time you looked at your shoelace? I don't understand any of this. Anyway, uh, it is pretty fascinating. Okay, so. Back on track, you've got diabetes for a long time. You come through that RNN process, which, you know, I've had enough conversations with people now to know that it's fairly laid back, meaning you'd get up in the morning, give yourself some insulin, go about your day. And your goal was basically like, what, don't get dizzy? Yeah. You know, I don't remember. I definitely remember checking my blood sugar throughout the day, but I was in, I mean, I was finishing high school. I started college. I definitely did not walk around with a meter in my bag, like for sure not. Mm. Um, I wasn't wearing a glucose monitor at the time. I checked. I, at that point in my life, I felt when I was low, I had symptoms. I knew I treated, I moved on. Was I 70? Was I 40? I don't know. When I got shaky, sweaty, whatever the symptom was that year, because it has changed over time, Yeah. Um, I treated and I would check. I definitely didn't check before every meal. I mean, like I really did the bare minimal, but my A1Cs were fabulous. Well, that, that, that insulin was very like blanketed. It just, you ate at certain times to keep yourself from getting low was basically how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and it it worked and it was fine. Right. And And at some point I must've made the switch over to L like, I guess Lantus or something mm -hmm. like, I don't even remember. I love that you've had it so long. You don't know. I, I really, I don't, it, it, it just became something that I did. I didn't really think about it. And looking back sometimes, I'm like, how did I make it through a year abroad? Like, how did I do these things? <laughs> but, but I did. 
<laughs> do you think if we had a, a giant macro view of you, if we had a, if we had a God drone and we put it up in there and followed you around for the last 23 years, we would see you just barely missing dying up like every couple of days. I, there was definitely one time when I was walking around, I was in Israel for the year and I remember like walking, I was walking a lot and I remember my legs like feeling shaky and I was like, Oh, I walked a lot. I, well, you know, that's, and then at one point I was like, Oh, my blood sugar is probably low. I should probably eat something. Like it took a while for me to even realize like, that's why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Yeah. Now, so for, definitely for, moments like that. For people listening who are modern day managing, can you please tell them that if they were using Novolog and Lantus, they could not have lived like that? Oh, yeah. No, definitely yeah. not. Right. It, definitely it's specific not. Different error, different lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And I will tell you now I have a pump and I have a Dexcom and um, much. And, I, and it's funny because I didn't get a pump until my first daughter was born in 2005. Mm-hmm. and I, I was, I thank God never had like a low episode was never hospitalized from, you know, passing out. But there was one time my husband couldn't wake me up. Like he, in the morning, whatever it was, went to try and I wasn't waking up. And I remember like feeling covered in juice and he was shoving juice boxes in my mouth. And I finally came to, so we didn't have to like go anywhere, hospitalization, ambulance, anything. But I remember I was pregnant with my first daughter at that time. And I remember I actually I looked back to check my emails. I have an email to my doctor and I wrote to her like, okay, I think I'm ready to start talking about a pump. And she was like, well, you're pregnant. Not the best time to start now. Let's talk after. And I was like, what? I finally said I'm ready. Like, We have to do this now. But she didn't want to start it in the middle of pregnancy. So I waited till right after I delivered. So it was. I've been on a pump since probably 2005, right? So my daughter was born November, 2005. So you didn't have an opportunity to have any babies on a pump. That was your last one, oh, right? No, that was she was my first. Oh, she was your first. So you that was my ha- first. So you- I had three other kids. I was on a pump for all of them. Okay. Was there a big difference? Um, I think I mean, yes. The answer is yes. I was definitely easier to control. I think I was I'm very, if you couldn't tell yet, type A, very like I need to know I'm in control personality. Mm-hmm. So I made sure even I definitely was checking more during my first pregnancy. I was, you know, I I actually found some blood sugar logs that I had scanned in an email to my doctor. Like I was like, I've never logged my numbers ever. But when I was pregnant, I was diligent. I wrote everything down. I wrote down what I was eating, how much insulin I was taking, you know, changed the doses as needed. But once I was on a pump, it was much easier. Hmm. Do you hold on a second? I have to tell Arden to give herself some insulin. Go for it. Add 20 carbs to last meal. That's some loop stuff right there, in case you're wondering. Okay. Um, So I find this interesting because you are very proactive and like do it myself, do it yourself. But before I move forward, I want to understand, do you know what your A1Cs were through your 20s? Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to givokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit Givoke Glucagon.com 
com slash risk. All right, guys, I have a personal goal. Between now and the end of Diabetes Awareness Month, I want to be personally responsible for adding 2,000 new survey responses to the T1D Exchange. I need you to help me. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. You head over there, you fill out the survey, and you're done. HIPAA compliant, completely anonymous, super simple answers, and you're going to help people living with type 1 diabetes. Past participants have helped bring increased coverage for test strips, Medicare coverage for CGMs, changes in the ADA guidelines for pediatric A1C goals, and there's more coming. I have a meeting coming up with them soon where they're going to tell me more stuff that's been happening. You can help. They're not going to ask you difficult questions. They're not incredibly probing or too personal. They're just about living with type 1 diabetes. Now, all you have to be is a type 1 who lives in the United States or a caregiver of a type 1 who lives in the United States in the United States, and you're on your way. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Use that link, answer the questions, and just like that, you've helped to make the lives of people with type 1 diabetes much, much easier. And you've supported the podcast. So if you're enjoying the podcast or you want to help or a combination of the two or just one, say you don't want to help, but you want to help the podcast. Go ahead and do it. Say you don't really like the podcast, but you want to help. And go do it for that reason. Now, if you love me and you love people with type 1, eh, no-brainer. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Get in there. Take the survey. Please, 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 please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 2,000. I want 2,000 by the end of November. I think we can do it. By we, mostly I mean you listening because I've already done it. So I, I, I'm telling you, I checked my emails last night because I wanted to see what information I could pull out for you. Mm-hmm. And I have one email in 2013 when we discussed a CGM for the first time. And my doctor had emailed the one of the nurse practitioners and said, A1C 5.7 wants to talk about glucose monitor. <laughs> they were probably like, oh, this lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've been pretty well controlled, but I will tell you a lot of that was because I was, I, I ran low. Mm-hmm. I was bold. I was bold with insulin before bold with insulin was a thing. Or smart because you didn't know what was happening. <laughs> right. Right. So you were just, you're basically, I just think of that as tricking the A1C test. Like you're, you're throwing off the, the way it comes to that number. If you have a bunch. I guess in a way, but I don't remember ever being like 350. Like I didn't, I didn't run high. You know, no, occasionally if I had a bagel, if I had a bowl of pasta and I didn't know how much to bolus for, like, I just, like I said, I never counted carbs. So it was like, all right, I'm eating this. I mean, I think that's what you do with yeah. Arden also. This, right. this, this. All right, that looks like 50. Let's go with that. Right. And if I was a little high after, okay, I took a correction. Like, it's, it's no big deal. It's interesting the words you use, though, because um, back then, because I'm wondering how they compare with the words you'd use now. Oh. Uh, because, because you're just like, you know, I was harder to control that day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there are times when it was harder to control, like you said, it during pregnancy, which I understand, like, but. Right. Uh, at this point now, and I'm guessing you and I have not had this conversation. It's not in your text, in your email, nothing like that. If your blood sugar is 150 for more than an hour, you're probably irritated by that and trying to get it down, right? 
So yes and no. Okay. Because I am I have a crazy busy schedule. Well, Sunday through I mean basically six days a week. Sunday through Friday usually. I don't mm-hmm. work Saturdays. Um, but I'm a realtor. I, I'm busy all day long. So a lot of times I'll see it. I mean, I have a Dexcom. It's beeping. I also wear a headset. So every text reads in my ear. It beeps in my ear. Like It's horrifying, it's not- isn't it? it? How loud is it? I, I don't know because I've never used the follow app or I've never used the, the actual Dexcom app because it's with Arden. But the follow app runs through your earphones so loud. It is. It is loud. Um <laughs> And I keep trying to get these companies to have a volume control. Maybe you can speak to somebody. <laughs> um, I get it. I get it. It needs to be loud for some people, but for some people, there needs to be an option. <laughs> um, and the truth is, I'm still, I'm not as private as I was when I was first diagnosed. Obviously, especially once my daughter was diagnosed, I was a lot more open about me being type one, mm-hmm. but I don't want my phone beeping all day long. Like I didn't want that. So I, I, I wear a headset for work purposes, but it's a, the added benefit that it beeps in my ear and it's not, and my daughter's numbers beep in my ear. I mean, I could be beeping all day long, <laughs> but alerts are going off. All I know but, is if I have my phone up loud because I'm listening to something and I stop listening oh, to it, it and then that alert comes through, I think I freeze up like a cartoon character from the sixties. I'm like, Ugh. Right. Oh, <laughs> like you want to run from it and you can't, it's just drilling through so your there's brain. Sometimes like to answer your question, there's some times where I'm like 150, 160 and I'm like, Oh, quick, let me just bowl this quickly. And other times where I'm like okay i can't deal with that now i'll deal with it later okay um so yes and no that's interesting it it really is it's um it's interesting to see how you kind of morphed because i think you made a good transition from the old days to now where i've seen people not be able to do it just like this is how i do it never mind i can't do this or they're they're they don't understand the impact of these newer, more quick acting insulins and the stuff they were using 20 years ago. And they're constantly making themselves like deathly low all the time. Um, but it sounds like you made a, a pretty clear transfer to it. Now, what yeah, happened? I also, I was not a fan. Like I never wanted to go on a pump. I never wanted to go on a CGM. I was like, I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to have things attached to me. And then once I decided to go on the pump, I like looked at my doctor and said, like, how, how do people live without this? Like, what was I thinking all these years? Why didn't you make me do this? <laughs> Why didn't anyone not look at me and tell me, years to, later? Yeah, tell me to shut up? <laughs> it's like, yeah. or just the, I, you know what, it's the, ins- it's the insurance piece of it too. Because, hold on one second. <clears throat> I'm dying here. Give me a half a second. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I apologize. It's the no insurance problem. piece of it, I think. Because if it was free to try, and then there was no obligation, you could just be like, ah, oh, didn't work for me. I think people would try it. But it's the idea of like, you have to go through this whole process, get on your insurance, and then you're on it. Like, can you imagine going through that for three months and then calling the insurance company back up in a month and going, ah, funny story. I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think if you could make that, and some companies do, I, I'm, I don't it's know. It's also like the learning curve. It just, it was overwhelming to me. Like, I don't want to learn something new. This works for me. If my A1Cs would have been 12, 11, whatever, I would have probably been pushed earlier on, yeah. but my A1Cs were fine. So it was like, why do I, why do I need this? But anyone and out there listening, get on a pump, get on a CGM. No one back then was talking to you about variability either, or keeping your blood sugar more like stability. That kind of stuff wasn't being Not that I about. remember. Yeah. I don't imagine. Yeah. Okay. So how do you, I mean, you, you diagnosed yourself. I'm assuming you were able to diagnose your daughter pretty quickly, but how did that go? So we were actually away for the weekend and, uh, she wet the bed and which was very out of character for her. 
And I noticed, like, I didn't say anything. I just like said, like, in my in my gut, like I knew something was up. And then I was watching her all day, and she's jumping on the trampoline, and she's coming in for water, and she's back on the trampoline, and she's coming in for more water. And I like gave my husband this look, and he's like, "Stop, relax, you know, whatever." And then that was a Saturday, and. I actually had a birthday party with friends Saturday night and I like, I didn't want to take her blood sugar. I said like, I need one more night of normalcy. Looking back on it, I'm like, she could have been in a coma, but it all worked out. Um, Sunday morning, first thing I said, let's just check, you know, check your blood sugar. Let's just see, you know, I feel like something's up. So she was very good about it. We checked and she was like 330, 350, something like that. I called the pediatrician and I said, Hey, what do I do? Do we have to go to the hospital? Because my older daughter um, and her Hashimoto's, we were already seeing an endocrinologist in the local hospital. So I almost feel like it was like set up like that. Like, Oh, I had this relationship already with this doctor. So my pediatrician also has a relationship with her. He's like, I'm going to call her. Let me see what she wants you to do. Gotcha. So I said, okay, but please, like, if I have to go to the hospital with her, like, one night, promise me not more than one night. And basically, I mean, we were, I think we were there for two nights, but it was a smooth process. I mean, my daughter was a rock star. She was obviously scared and had no idea what was flying, but she was great. And I, I think it's easier when I can, you know, show her that I do it. We called my niece and, you know, they check their blood sugars together and, introduced her to a whole world of people, some neighbors, like friends, people in the community that she never even would have known. So how available is your, I cannot clear my throat. <clears throat> this is the end of me right here, right here. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> All right. I have no idea why this is. Um, it happens like twice a year, twice a year. I'm like, I cannot get my throat clear. Um, how, how available is the knowledge that you have diabetes in the house prior to her diagnosis? Like, are you like, really you're not good question. You're not so, private or are you? So I was for a few years, not purposely, just like, you know, when I pulled my pump out to bolus, I didn't like do it at the dining table. Like mm -hmm. I got up, I went to the bathroom, I went to my room, stood in the hallway, did my thing. I, I rarely checked my blood sugar in the past, you know, since 2013, like my kids were little now they're older. But really, since I got my CGM, I rarely checked, even when I was supposed to calibrate with the old Dexcom, never really did that. Um, so <laughs> it was very rare that they saw, like, I didn't have strips lying out on the counter and little vials and machines everywhere. Like, I was very contained about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember at one point, I don't know how many years ago it was, but my endo said to me, you know, like, if one of your kids ever gets diagnosed and like, you've been keeping this secret from them they're going to think it's something that they should be ashamed of. And like, it really resonated with me. Hmm. And I said, you're right. Like, you're totally right. And at that point, my kids were like probably old enough to understand or the older two or three were probably old enough to understand at that point. And I didn't like make an announcement, but I was a little bit more like, oh, look, here's my pump. And like, oh, what's that mommy? What do you do with that? And we just, we spoke about it a little bit. Yeah. So it became a little bit more public. Um, they knew that it wasn't like shout for them from the rooftops. Like when each of them learned about it in science class in middle school, you know, it always comes up, you know, carbohydrates, diabetes. So one of my, you know, my kids would always say, oh yeah, my mom has diabetes. And they'd come home and tell me, I'd be like, oh, great. But <laughs> they knew that I didn't really care. It's just like, I didn't like want to be that, you know, I don't know what the word is, like that sad case that everyone was like, the pity case. I, I, I hear that. I understand that people feel all different kinds of ways about it. And I get that you felt that way. I was wondering how, um, 
long had her cousin had it before she, before her? Um, I would say about four or five years. Okay, so that was commonplace in her life. Correct. They live out of town, like they're in Florida and we're in Jersey. But still, but, like it's it's a thing they're aware of. Okay. Correct. Definitely. And we spent like holidays together and we were together and they definitely knew about it. So I think that was like a little bit of a comforting thing. Um, I guess the adjustment was easier. Is your daughter and, ever around your father? Yeah, we live in, we live near each other. So definitely. And, you know, it was at the beginning, tried to make it fun. Like everyone's pulling out their pumps and saying, oh, you're going to get a pump soon. And um, actually in my own community within like a few block radius there, we found like a WhatsApp group and there's a bunch of kids her age and, you know, we, we get them together, I guess, pre COVID more mm-hmm. than now, but really try to like, just show that it's normal. Like there's another kid in her school and actually one was just recently diagnosed. So that made it a lot easier. Um, we have a really good setup with the nurses. So like, she feels like even today I, she was packing up her bag and I said, like, make sure you have snack. Oh, I don't need snack. We're having a candy party today. Oh, yay. And she's like, and you're going to let me eat whatever I want. Right. Of course, whatever you want, just, you know, send me the pictures and we'll figure it out. What's your dad's vibe about management? Um, he has a pump. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's a um, warble in your voice just now. You're like, oh, um. yeah. Um, I feel like he's probably not as on top of things as he should be. I think his A1Cs are fine. I think like also he gets busy, you know, like the pump will beep. We're like, you're low. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there. We're like, I'm, I, I'm the same way sometimes. So I kind of feel like I can't fault him. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like because of the Dexcom, it's like, all right, I'm only 65 or I'm only 50, but I'm straight. It's okay. I've been 35 and I'm walking around. It's all good. It's, um, it, it, all right. <laughs> it's, I've been, <laughs> now, now's a good time to say nothing you hear on the Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Go for it. I think none of us are saying that being 35 is okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. It's definitely not okay. Uh, but yeah, I, there are times I, where, you know, the pre-Dexcom where I'm like, oh, I feel a little low. Let me check. I'm like, oh, look, I'm 35 mm. and I'm still standing. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> but I do not recommend it. You're fascinated by it while you're dealing with it. Exactly. No, I know. I uh, already got into the like into the mid 50s the other day. And I was like, hey, you know, if you do something right now, you can do it with food. I said, if you wait any longer, you're going to have to do it with juice. I was like, that. those are your decisions right there, you know. And right. um, and she's like, OK. And, but she's like, all right, well, in a minute, I'm doing something. She wasn't like panicked by it or anything like that. And she felt, she said she felt fine. Um, but the I wonder what that thing, even means. Right. Well, the craziest thing is when, like, even though I'm type one and I know what a 50 or 65 is, when my daughter was first diagnosed and she was 68, I was like panicked. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She needs something. Hurry up. Hurry up. And I was like, okay, wait a second. Like, I know what 68 is. Like, it's okay. She needs a juice box. She's going to be fine. So that's, yeah, that is really where I want to go next. I want to understand what the difference is between having it and caring about somebody that has it. Yeah. It's a learning curve. It's definitely a learning curve. Um, I couldn't get out of the hospital fast enough because I just felt like they were trying to teach us. And the truth is, I will say I, I did because I never counted carbs before. I didn't need that learning because she went on a pump right away. And like, even with my pump, I don't put carbs in. I just say two units, three units, five units, six units, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so I've never did that part of it. So I did need that education, which would have taken me an hour probably to learn. They insisted on, 
training classes outside hospital. And at one point I looked at them and I said, we're done here. Like, I don't have time for this. She's under control. I'll make you a deal. If her A1C goes up after the next visit, I will come back. And everyone agreed. And we have not been back. Well, Nina, they can't bill you for seven different specialties. Right. if They're just going to flip the package over and go see here where it says <laughs> carbohydrates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you, exactly. Do you see where it says servings. I like, no. <laughs> I couldn't anymore. I said, I cannot sit here. I don't have time for this. And like, I felt bad for my daughter. She wanted to get back to school. She was missing school. It was hard. And yeah, so that's how we handled that. But it's, it's a different role. Like it's even when she goes low in school, we have a great setup with the nurses. Like I know people have spoken about this before, but we have a WhatsApp group. Um, the nurses have her blood sugar up on their computer screen all day. Um, they're using night scout. I believe my husband, I get like, he's a little bit of a techie. So he has set up different things, but they have it up on the computer screen. They'll leave, you know, at the beginning, last year, no, two years ago, when was she diagnosed? 2019. Yeah. Last school year, whatever school year they had last year before we life shut down, we started off where she went to the nurse to, even though not to check because she had the Dexcom, but to right away, like to bolus, what's her snack, bring it. And that's what we did for the whole school year in person last year. And it was fine. Like she was little, I didn't want her putting things into the pump by herself, but we had a WhatsApp group. We would always, you know, chat and text. And then this year we decided, because the truth is she was home with us a lot. So she, the, the benefit, I guess, of COVID, if any benefit came out of it, was that we she learned a lot because we were with her all day. Mm-hmm. So she was able to, she's so quick on that pump. Sometimes I'm like, slow down, slow down. I need to make sure you're not making a mistake. <laughs> but she, she puts the carbs her. in. I watched Arden text the other day and yeah. I just was mesmerized by watching her thumb fly around her phone screen (laughs) i just honestly those kids have skills i don't know if they're marketable or not but (laughs) they're fascinating um yeah i can i could definitely see your daughter like blowing through her pump real quick it's crazy so the nurses were hesitant i said look we have a whatsapp group my husband and i are very much on top of like the chat all day again like my texts pop up in my ear so i know when she has a question or she's sending me and what she does is she sends me a picture of the snack, even though I usually know what it is because we've packed it, but sends me a picture of the snack, sends me a picture of what the pump looks like after she puts in the carbs. She waits for us to say, okay, and she takes it. There have been one or two times where I kind of forget and she like question mark, question mark. I'm like, sorry, sorry, you're good. You're good. But we all, and it's been working. She feels that independence. Um, occasionally, you know, she'll start dipping down and she has this arrow straight down and the nurses get panicked. And I say, guys, like, it's okay. Like, she just had a juice box. Give it give it 10 minutes. Like, she's going to come back up. And if she doesn't, she'll have another half a juice box. I don't want her to be 300 because we're over-treating. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very good about it. And Excellent. the communication is great. Like, I just feel like WhatsApp groups are lifesavers sometimes. And other times, super annoying. But <laughs> So is this group just your family or is it other people at the school? No. So it's the, we actually have a few different groups. Um, I have my, my daughter, cause she, we, she has a phone. So she, we set up WhatsApp for her on her phone, my husband, myself, and the two school nurses hmm. last year, we had the teachers on it, but this year we felt like we didn't need to bother them with that. Like if we needed them, we have other ways to reach them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that WhatsApp group and then there's one with just my husband and myself and the nurses in case we have to talk behind my daughter's back about something that likes going on that she doesn't want to do or whatever. <laughs> so we have that one, yeah. a lot of different groups going on, but for the most part, like everyone's very much on top of it, and you know, she's managing very well. I would imagine that part of the success of that is people being able to like 
vibe with it, like not get too crazy or be too involved, but just realize that being able to see you say to her, hey, what are you eating? And her saying this and you and agreeing on insulin and the nurse being able to just kind of look over her shoulder and go, okay, it's one o'clock and she just had insulin. I don't need to be involved in this. It's good that I know. And then that's the end. Exactly. Right? Even like sometimes like after breakfast, you know, we try to reduce that spike, but sometimes she'll end up trending low. So like she'll be 79 diagonal down. The nurse will WhatsApp, should she take something? And mm-hmm. I said, give her, give her a minute, watch. And then she hits 70, it starts beeping and she writes, taking something. I'm like, thumbs up. Great. Like she's on it. And I want to give her that independence. I don't want to head it off at 79. Let her get to 70 because sometimes she straightens out at 77 and then ticks back up to 85. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we got to just watch it, like let it ride a little bit. I, I, as much as I think this might not be uh, demonstrative of a statement for some people, I think for a lot of people it is like you just have to know how to hang. And exactly. It really, whether it's, you know, at a social setting or with diabetes, you need to know like when to speak up when to wait a minute, you know, when to just lay back and see what's going to happen. There's a whole uh, science that isn't a science behind that around diabetes. And And it changes every day. I always say like, just because it worked this way today doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be the same thing. Like, it's kind of every day is new. I think years ago on the podcast, I used to say a lot, like you have to have the balls to wait sometimes. Like, yeah, just to kind of wait a second to see what's going to happen. So I think at the beginning, that was very hard for me. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's in the 50s. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But now uh, if if she has sugar in her, I ha- you have to give it a minute to hit. Like, you have to just wait it out a bit. Yeah. So I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with that. I then, think that's a big leap yeah. for you, honestly. Because, yeah. because well, right away, like, the difference between you having diabetes and her is you've never, like you described yourself pretty clearly, you were never concerned about your own safety. Right. Right. You always thought you were just okay. In control. Yeah. And But the minute, I was trying to explain this to my son the other day, the minute you have a baby, there's something, like for some people, like a switch gets thrown in your head, and now you're just like, I am just here on this planet to make sure that person doesn't get hurt. Right. You know, and is happy. And those are my goals. I like my goals used to be so much more, but now it's just don't let that kid get hurt. Don't let him not be happy. And, and it's different, isn't it? Where there's active insulin in another person and it isn't also you. when their actions are not predictable. Like she's a kid. She's like, Oh, I want to go on the trampoline now. Um, okay. And she, you know, slowly, but surely she knows, Oh, I should probably have something before, or I just had lunch and took insulin and wasn't planning on going on the trampoline. Maybe I should have a snack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably a good idea. So like the, certain activities and she's learning and she needs to learn. But that unpredictable nature of it made you like anxious. Not anxious. It's it goes along with it. I just feel like it goes hand in hand. You can't do anything about it. You just mm. have to learn to live with it. Right. It's just the truth. Yeah. It's just what it is. And even if she jumped on the trampoline for an hour today and she went down, whatever, tomorrow she could jump for the same hour and not move. Like it's just... <laughs> whatever she ate before, however insulin she has on board, it's all going to be different. Every day it varies. Right. And there are some foods that fight off the trampoline and there are some that don't. Right. Yeah. That's a lot I, of fun. Yeah. There's <laughs> other one one other thing I wanted to just mention. I don't know. I I will say I have listened to almost all of the episodes. I'm a little bit behind. Thank you. But um, I'm getting there. And uh, we, we are Orthodox Jews. So we have like a Thanksgiving meal well, really two, every Friday night and mm-hmm. every Saturday lunch. 
So right. in addition to all the Jewish holidays. So I felt like that was like a something I wanted to just discuss and mention how you know people go crazy about Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those things. And I'm like, we do it every week, twice. <laughs> and it's it's a lot. It's a lot of food, it's a lot of unpredictability. It's we, you know, again, pre-COVID, we were at other people's houses. I didn't know what they were serving. You don't know what's coming out next. You kind of have to just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Well, is there all right, I'm going to go backwards before I do anything. Is there any um, through line with heritage and type one? Like I'm I don't go- think so. Not that anyone's ever mentioned. Yeah, because I've been Googling while you've been talking over the last hour, and I don't see it anywhere. Um, and I wasn't sure um, of your... Like there's Ashkenazi Jewish like genetic testing that people do sometimes before they get married and things like that. I don't think that's, I mean, I'm 99% sure that's not part of it. So I don't think that's something that would come up. I tried Hasidic and I tried Orthodox and I don't see any Google searches that put the two together before you told, before you said you were Orthodox, I was just going through my, like my Jewish Rolodex in my mind, trying to like think of all the groups (laughs) that I could think of. (laughs) And, uh, and there's, there's no tie that I can find that, that says that. Um, So I was just wondering. And it, but, yeah, but but it's amazing the resources like even like Passover's coming up and mm-hmm. there is a lot of matzah carbs wine grape juice like as part of the meal in addition to all the other food that's consumed in that like two to three hour period and there's groups there's whatsapp groups there's websites that break down the carbs and give alternatives and like the resources that are out there today mm-hmm. are unbelievable that's excellent um and so it's a big meal a big carby meal twice a week. Yeah. And you don't have any trouble at all. I mean, again, does it have to be a big carby meal? No, you choose what you put in your mouth, mm-hmm. but you're sitting down for basically two Thanksgiving dinners twice a week yeah. or dinner and a lunch. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a lot. I mean, again, you learn how to deal with it. Like I said, I don't count carbs. So like I'll sit down and I'm like seven units. Like that's what I need. Hmm. And sometimes it works. And sometimes I think it works. And then an hour or two later, there's a spike. And and honestly, those are things that I learned from my daughter, like protein spike. What is that about? And I hear you and Jenny talk about it. And I'm like, I've been doing this for 23 years. I, I eat string cheese. I eat turkey. Never thought twice about it. And I don't know that it always makes me rise. I'm pretty sure that there were times in my life where I've had, like I was on no carb diets and I barely took any insulin. Yeah. But for some reason at some times, there is a little bit of a spike. Well, and even if you're on a low carb regimen, the, the spike, you know, you should make quotes around like might not be 300. Like you're correct. Like, you correct. Know, I think people, and I still have that basil going. So it could be that the basil is just covering whatever spike there is. It could be. I, I You know, you don't see it all. The, I, I will say there are some things that without fail, I see in Arden, like French fries from certain places going to make our blood sugar go up like an hour, an hour and a half later. Like just right. just going to um, that that happens over and over again. Um, but you know, the same potato, not fried, I don't have as much trouble with. Right. I mean, we've learned, I feel like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, we've learned you want a bagel and you want a donut. No problem. We have this. This is what you need before. This is what you need during. This is what you need when you finish. And like, for the most part, we have it covered. You figured it out. But it's trial and error. It is, I, yeah, listen, if you're not willing to take a couple of swings and miss, you're not going to figure out a number of these things. It's, it's why you'll always hear me tell people, um, you know, the, the most common question that I get is either how much or how long. 
Everyone right. wants a number. How long should I do that for? How much it's should I do? Hard. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, try, you know, like try a number when it works. Go, wow, I can't believe I got it the first time. <laughs> or if it doesn't work, make an adjustment and do it again. And that is incredibly difficult for so many people because they just are not empowered. And I hate to use like a cliched word. Like, I feel like I'm about to say think outside of the box, but most people are not empowered to make decisions about their diabetes. And therefore they stick with this very basic, like whatever they got told first. And then when it doesn't work, they go, Oh wow. Diabetes is really unpredictable, isn't it? But even with the knowledge that I have, when my daughter was first put on the pump and they put in her, you know, doses and everything, I was not, I wasn't touching that. And I'm super confident in the care for her and in what I do for myself. And I'll change my basil and my boluses constantly. But with her, I was like, I'm not touching that. And then apparently at one point I'm like, this is ridiculous. What am I waiting to talk to the nurse for? Like, let me just, so I took a screenshot of what her current regimen was, like what the current setup was. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I'll play with it. Worst case, I put it back tomorrow. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And wouldn't you know, it fixed the problem that we were having. And like, once I did it once and I got comfortable with it, I, I don't have a problem playing with those things within reason just to kind of, oh, she's spiking from between 2 and 3 a.m. Okay, let me raise her basil at midnight. Like whatever it is, I'll play with those things a little bit to get it better. And if not, you ask for help. That's yeah. why those doctors exist besides the prescriptions that we need to get. I just did, um, while while we've been recording, I, I did a bump of of like you know I talk about bumping and nudging for people. I just did it. Like Arden had something to eat. I was unaware of. She took care of it. I saw the insulin go in, and I thought, oh, I, she must have eaten something. Was just my thought. And about an hour, forty five minutes later, she started to drift up. I said, did you eat something? And she said, yeah. I said, you did a good job with it. I said, I think maybe it needs a little more. So we pushed on a little more. It didn't work. It tried to keep going back up. So we just. You know, we put more on it and a little bit more. And it's leveling off and it'll come back now. I don't um I don't think we are where we are without those little ideas. And I just think that those little things that you can do that stop you from staring at a at a blood sugar that's climbing 120, 140, 160, and you're just like, oh, maybe it'll stop. Like it ain't stopping. You know, right. like you know, yeah, like, you, you, yeah. When you do something about those little things, that's where Arden's A1C hits. Like I'm waiting for people who are listening to realize that there's nothing magical going on in this house that has Arden's A1C steadily in the fives, I think for like seven years now. Wow. You know, and so it's just it's just we're meeting the need. Your body, your body's telling you if you have a CGM, it's telling you that you you do not have enough insulin here. It's not a set it and forget it type of situation. Never. You, you can set it, but you can never forget it, mm-hmm. and you have to constantly be adjusting for the needs. And, yeah. You know, as she grows, the hormones, all those things. Like I know we're gonna have to be on top of it. Sometimes it's like we have two or three nights where steady line, straight as can be, and then the next night I'm like what? Where did that 200 come from? Like we were just 118. Where did that out of nowhere? But then the next night we're back to normal. All the hormone stuff stocks. It's so terrible. And it's just so much extra work. And I I swear to you, I, I have a boy and a girl. Hormones hit boys differently. It makes them Superman in their minds. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just like, I don't know if you have any boys, but. Um, yeah, I have three girls and a boy. Yeah. How old's the boy? Almost 14. Yeah, it's 
just about starting to happen now. And yep. like, but it, it gets to like, I know everything. I can do everything. You can't stop me. I'm like a locomotive, like that feeling from them. Totally. And that's the hormone thing. And then there's with the girls are just, it. it's more of like, um, it's more emotional. like the emotional stuff and right. the, um, and the, you know, the stuff that you see in blood sugar that you wouldn't see if they didn't have type one. But you know, when somebody's blood sugar is low and they're feeling emotional and you're like, hey, you know what I think we should do? And they're in the middle of wanting to feel more independent. They're not like, oh, no, please tell me. What is it you think we should do? <laughs> it doesn't work that yeah, way. Not so agreeable yeah. at that time. Shut up and leave me alone. Oh, OK. <laughs> Great. Totally. Yay. I don't know which I prefer because both sucks. Like if somebody if. Listen, if laying out parenting could be done very simply, I would tell you, like, right until they start turning into adults, it's kind of great. And then it's almost like you have to live through this part to get to the part where they stop, like, getting, you know, a barrage with all those hormones. I can't wait to see if I still like them when they get older <laughs> <laughs> or if they still like me. I, um, yeah, the best part's in the beginning. We should all just, like, like take in, like, a homeless kid. And then get them to the hormones and then give I don't, them back. I don't know. Give is there someone to give them back to? I don't know. I'm just saying there's a great time for children. And it's from when they're born until whenever that thing starts. And then my God, here it comes. Um, but and then it impacts the blood sugars in in the same way. But you're sound like you're doing really well with your daughter at the moment. Like and Yeah, she's I mean her finding, last day one C was six. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. And I also like as much as I'm a control freak in many ways. Okay, if she rises to 200, she's not there for an hour. She's never sitting. I mean, I, we don't like her to be sitting at 200, at 180, whatever, or even higher for a long period of time. But sometimes you're like, you know, you just gave her insulin. You know, she's eating and like, she's going to come down. And if I touch it, she's going to drop. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll, I'll let it ride for a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, not moving. Let's go. We got to bring this down. Yeah. Well, and that, that comes with that comes with experience too. like being able to see the difference between like, if I let this go for a little, it's going to, you know, there's enough insulin in there to take care of it. It'll turn around. Right. Or when you let it go and realize that your pump site is going bad and you didn't realize it. Oh, like, this was amazing. Yeah. One night last week, she was like totally like 95 before bed. She had had a snack and I said, okay, like, let's see if she took enough. Let's see what happens. Straight line. Amazing. And then She's 125 diagonal up. She goes to 144 straight up. I'm like, what is going on? Like out of nowhere. So I go and she has, she's on control IQ mm -hmm. and we do not use sleep mode for the most part. So it does auto bolus, does auto, you know, increase the basal. But at the same time, I sometimes will have to go down and still do my own thing a little bit. So went down to my bedroom's upstairs. She's downstairs. I go down. I'm like, okay, let me, the pump gave her 0.25. Let me give a little bit more, give her more, come back up. And I have, this is one also a great tip. I'll just interrupt myself. We have in our bedroom, like a computer screen that we have with her number up all night long, like through night scout. So a uh, sugar mate night scout, I think it's night scout. And that way, like I roll over in the middle of the night, I don't have to pick up my phone. It makes noise. And it's like in this big, bright number. I find that very helpful. So I see that her number is still going up and now she's like 200, two hours up. And like, also I'm half asleep at this point. It's like one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, forget it. I'm just changing her pump. Like it was fine all day. Something must've happened. She must've rolled over on it. So I prepare the cartridge, bring it downstairs. And like, I roll her over and I'm like, what, what her pump was not connected. 
Oh. She must have disconnected it somehow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I've been bolusing the insulin drop, dripping off onto her bed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I was happy I didn't have to wake her up because she would never want me to change it while she's sleeping. That mm-hmm. was a deal we made. I will never finger prick or change pump unless I wake her first. So I was happy that I caught it, but I was like, how did that happen? That's super and then of course in the morning, I'm like, did you put it back on after you showered? Like we're going through this whole thing and you know, she probably just disconnected it in her sleep. Yeah. I have to say that if it wasn't so late in the episode, I would stop right here and do an ad for Omnipod. Omnipod. Yeah, I, yeah. Know. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> know. Well, it's, you know, what you just described is what some like lifers will tell you the reason why they don't want to pump because if that thing gets disconnected I'm going to go into DKA which is exactly what would happen to her if you didn't if you weren't watching her. But, but honestly, I feel like worst case scenario if it would have gone the whole night like that, I don't know that she would have been 400. Like she had insulin in her. I, again, I don't know, I'm yeah, not no, a doctor. No, I, I hear you. I, I just feel like by morning we would have realized or if she got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, she would have seen Whatever it is, but to me, there's always a reason. Like if it's not working, either the site is bad or it's disconnected or the insulin is bad. So after a little bit of like, there's always a certain like limit where I say, okay, we've bolused a couple times. The arrows aren't moving. She's not budging. We got to change the site. And I, if we change the site, sometimes I'll like take the site off and I'm like, it's perfectly straight. It's not bad. Like, great. Is it the insulin out? Let's change the insulin out. So I've come to think of it as, is the insulin doing what I expect it to do? Like, am I getting the response that I res- that I expect based on my history? Like, I bolus here for this number in this situation. Here's what I expect to happen next. If that's not happening, then I start thinking, is the site okay? I have to be honest. I never really think is the insulin okay. Like, I I know I know people are like my insulin went bad, but that seems so like. I don't know. That seems like the last I thing I think with of. You. I've yeah. never had like before my daughter was diagnosed. I don't think I ever would have thought of that. But now I feel like you're grasping at straws. You're trying to figure out a reason like, well, if it's not this, it's not this. It's, it must be this. It must be the insulin then. Like, and sometimes I'll change it all. And then before I even like click it back in, double arrow down. I'm like, oh, see, it was working. It just needed another 15 minutes. <laughs> I feel like I'd love to be a, a therapist right now and just ask you, Nina, why do you love her more than you love yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> it is fascinating. I This podcast has taught me a lot uh, over the years. And one of the things I have learned that I think is absolute rock solid, I'll never, you'll never be able to tell me differently, is that when people feel like they're doing things for other people, it often makes it I don't know it makes it resonate for them it makes it important for them it makes them prioritize things differently um the amount of like young girls who come on here and they're like oh 17 18 20 23 I didn't really take care of it and then I met someone I started thinking about having a family and then I got my a1c together or I got married and then you know I didn't want this girl to have to worry about me it's I had a baby you know, and I wanted to do it for the baby. It's fascinating how, like, I don't, like, I was kind of joking. I don't think we all need to go to therapy. I just think it seems to be a very human thing that when it's for you, you know, you'll keep yourself alive. But when it's for someone else, it just ratchets things up. It's very, it's fascinating. It happened to you. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I think I was always in control, but I wasn't like obsessive about it. And well, no, I you went from the lady coffee. walking around Israel with rubbery legs to the lady <laughs> with a computer screen in her room that has your daughter's blood sugar on it. Well, I guess from your perspective, yes. <laughs> when you say it like that, yeah. Well, you mean like when I'm paying attention to all the details. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well. But I also, but but that's what I'm saying. I learned more about how to care for myself because of how I'm caring for my daughter. Like I have changed a few things. Like instead of me letting, like my my low is at 70, my high is now I think at 180. Mm-hmm. And again, there were times maybe my high used to be at 200, but there were times where I just like it was beeping. I'm high. Yeah, okay, fine. I'm not low. I'm not going to pass out. It's fine. It's fine. I'll deal with it later. But now I try not to do that. I really try. Um, one of the reasons that I haven't switched, I'm on the Medtronic pump, is because I can do a remote bolus. To me, that is, I would love for, and I know Omnipod is all remote bolus, I think, from what I understand. Um, you mean just like you don't have to actually pull the pump out to do it? Correct. Like you don't have to pull out a device. It actually, the contour next meter is also the remote. Really? It links up. It's very cool. Um, it links up with the Medtronic pump and you bolus right from the meter. Okay. So Omnipod right now in March of 2021 has like a little like PDM thing that's not connected to anything. And it's like a, looks like a little cell phone you pull it out right. and just do the thing. I think that most of the companies are trying to get to a cell phone control. Where right. The, where I, the I'm waiting for that day. Yeah. Just fewer devices, fewer things, hopefully less noise. Guys, listen to me, please. Yeah, the, less FDA noise. Is, the FDA is not going to let them take the beeps away. I don't think, <sighs> uh, but I hear you. Like sometimes you're like, yes, I heard it. Just options, options for a little bit of a lesser decibel, maybe like something. I always talk to them about like, I always bring up like all the companies that I talk to. I'm like, you know, if you ever use like Photoshop elements is a good example. Yeah. You open it up and at the top across the top, it says something like beginner, intermediate expert. I don't know, something like that. (laughs) That, That's amazing. That would be awesome. And when you click on one or the other, it simplifies the app. Beginners get a more simplified app. Medium gets a little more tools. Expert right. gets full control. If you're a stuff. beginner, you need loud noises. I'm all for that. You know, the F, again, the FDA is not going to let them take I away know, loud noises. I but I hear what you're saying. Well, you can't tell you can't tell somebody this thing's going to tell you if your blood sugar gets too low. Except you can shut it off. You like can that's, shut it off, yeah. right? I t- I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, you can stop wanting that. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. But that remote bolus feature is a huge plus that. for me because I just two seconds again because I'm not so public about it. I'm not going to just pull my pump out and start bolusing, or even pull out a PDM and start bolusing. This is literally like you know, the size of the meter. It's a little rectangle. It's nothing. Hmm. Yeah, it's like a little remote control for it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, no, very discreet. No one knows what I'm doing, you know, two seconds and I'm done. So I can bring that 180 back down pretty fast. But, you know, assuming that I'm not doing 10 other things at the same time. But that Medtronic pump's not a loop. So you're using a Dexcom with that? So it's funny. It is a loop, okay. but um, I wouldn't give up the Dexcom for anything. Okay. It doesn't work with Dexcom. It has its own sensor that I was my doctor and I were never a fan of. So I am not looping and my daughter is looping and I'm kind of jealous of her looping because I see what it does. And right. I'm like, that would be amazing if I didn't have to think about my 170 because it's being attacked on its own. So your daughter's using control IQ with Tandem. Why don't you just switch to that? Because Tandem doesn't have a remote bolus feature. So That's Tandem, when you're ready for that, I'm on board. You are very fickle. 
I am. <laughs> I am. You know what, though? It works for me. This is what I keep saying, because my doctor also keeps pushing me, go on tandem. And at one point I had an insurance issue and they only covered the Medtronic. And I, when my daughter was diagnosed, I fought for nine months to get the tandem covered. We finally won. And three days later, that insurance company covered tandem. Right. It's like, are you kidding me? Before we move on, because I have another question for you. I know we're up on time, but I have one more question for you. But go before ahead. we do, can I make an observation? Please. Okay. You told me that you fought getting a pump forever. And then you had your reasons why. <laughs> then someone, then you did it. And then you thought, why did I never do this before? And now you're telling me because of the way, the thing you pull out of your pocket to give yourself insulin, you don't want to move to an algorithm. I just want to yeah. say this seems like a repeat of the last thing. You are a thousand percent correct. Of course I am. That's why the podcast is great and people love it. Thousand percent correct. But again, <laughs> there's a there's a limit to everything, and there's only so much I'm willing to change. Um, but <laughs> but it also but it, but it does come down to the noises. Like it's not just about taking the pump out. That tandem pump beeps a lot constantly. Like because I guess because I'm not looping. I guess if I was looping with the Medtronic, it would also beep a lot. I don't know but, why I'm, I'm trying to figure out why the B I don't I've never like used a tandem pump. So I'm not I sure why it beeps the way so we, much. maybe because the way we have my daughter settings, if she's going high, it beeps. If she's going low, I want her to know in school, like she's not pulling it out to check every day. She only knows yeah. she's low when it beeps. I don't she know if that's the pump then. Maybe that's her settings. What's her high alarm at? Right. So I'm saying maybe that's why she's beeping so much. She's also at 180. Hmm. I don't, Arden's high alarm set at 120 on my phone. Yeah, I know. I know, Scott. We all can't be like you. Well, what do you mean? I, there's nothing to be like. <laughs> it's the same thing at 180 is 120. It's the same no, but thing. honestly, like if she was, if her high alarm was at 120, she would be alerting all day long. Like I can't have a nine-year-old in third grade, like be that on top of it. As she gets older, I think we'll, we'll change those things and try to have a little bit of tighter control. But at some point, like my feeling is you got to let a kid be a kid within a certain range. So I want to say... That I agree with everything you said, except for the idea that a lower threshold means it'll beep forever. I think a lower threshold changes your actions, and then those actions stop you from reaching the threshold. So it doesn't right. it doesn't beep forever. It beeps until you're it beeps until you start. You do something, whether it's one twenty or one eighty. Well, I hear you. Yeah, That's a good it's, point. It's not even that. It's more like you you pre-ball us a little better or you cover the meal a little better. Like once you, once you learn, like it's not learn like cognitively learn. It's the idea of if I do this at a meal, I never get to one thirty. So right. I'll just make sure I do this at the meal. Then I don't get a beep. And then that becomes commonplace for you. And then before you know it, there's no beeping and there's no rising. Well, then I need a one-on-one -on -one. I need some more coaching then. I'm busy, Neil. I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> Got enough on your plate? Yeah. Leave me alone. Okay. No, um, <laughs> no, what I wanted to I wanted to ask you, um, because you kind of like said it and we never got back to it. And I just want to understand at the end, it's kind of helpful for me. How did you find the podcast? You just searched for it or somebody told you so about I it? I think I started looking for parent groups on Facebook, like while I was sitting in the hospital that first night. Mm -hmm. And I was just like trying to find something to like, you know, calm my fears and like some normalcy and like other people out there. And on one of the threads, someone mentioned Juicebox Podcast. And I said, like, Juicebox Podcast, what is that? And I'm also, what a cute name. Thank you. I loved it. And right away, I found your Facebook page. Um, I didn't start listening to the podcast probably for a while 
after just because I needed, like, I didn't have free time. I, every one of my free minutes was busy on, you know, doctor's appointments sure. and learning a new regimen and everything. But I think once she was back in school, I started listening. And I remember like every, my kids would make fun of me, you know, bump and nudge. Okay. Bold with insulin. Okay. Stop. We know. Stop with your podcast. We know. But I really tried. Like I was, I was, I was, it gave me the confidence to be bolder, even though I did it to myself. I always did that. I had no problem. Big deal. So if I go a little low, I'll take some juice. I'll eat some sugar. Big deal. Like I'd rather be a little on the lower side than be high. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't, I don't think I would have had the courage to do it if I didn't listen to the podcast and hear everything you say and your guests say. And it just gave me the confidence to say, okay. And I actually had my daughter on a Dexcom immediately because I had an extra, luckily I had an extra transmitter and sensor in my house. Yeah. And I was like, I was, was afraid to put it on her. Like I said to the doctor, like, this is okay. Right. Like I could just do it. Nothing's going to happen. Even though I, I know you put one on, like, of course you could just do it. But I just, I was afraid to make a move without a doctor telling me it was okay. I wonder if you realize how valuable this conversation has been to just to hear you Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde through the entire thing. Like, and I don't mean that in like a funny way. Like, I really no, think for people listening, I'm happy. Yeah, it's incredibly valuable. Like, you have this kind of bold, I can do it. This is not a problem. Better low than high attitude for yourself. Then your daughter gets it. And you're the incredibly, you're incredibly opposite of that. But just at the beginning, yeah, I, no. think I just needed that like adjustment period. And honestly, I'm putting it out there. Like I'm ha feel free to share my contact information. Like I love talking to parents who need that, like just diagnosed, like, is life ever going to get back to normal? Cause like I've been there. You know, on both like ends of it, as I, a kid and as a parent. I feel like you're undervaluing the reach of this podcast. We're not going to share your contact information. <laughs> well, I'm not but, saying share it right now. But but Did anybody reach out. I really am happy. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving medical advice. But I just I know what it's like to be there. Are you in the private Facebook group or just the public one? I'm not sure. You would love the private one. Oh, well then. Mm -hmm. It's juice box podcast type one diabetes. You have to answer a couple of questions to get in to prove you're I like a real that person. I'm in that one then. That one that one's kicking. It's like up to ten thousand. I'll double check. Users. I think I am in the private one then because I do remember answering questions like, yeah. are you a parent? Do you have? And I was like, I don't know if there was an option for both. And I was like, hmm, which one do I pick? Yeah. Go there. That yeah, right. Am I a parent or or a personal yeah. type of diabetes? I think I picked a kid for that one because that's when I discovered it. Can I be both? <laughs> Right. <laughs> I didn't realize I had to put that in as an uh, I'm not so active on it. Like I, I really, my, my days are consumed with work. No, usually, no, I'm just saying so if you want to meet people there, that, that, that is an incredibly active page. Right. All so, right. I'm happy to be of help if I can yeah, to anybody, well, you know, been there, done that. I appreciate that. So the podcast just kind of gave you confidence. Yeah. It really just made me feel like it was someone whispering in my ear. It's okay. But only when I had the Dexcom, like I never would have done anything without being able to see that number. Mm -hmm. Like there, when that Dexcom outage happened, I was like uh, paralyzed. I was, how are we going to sleep tonight? What are we going to do? And then I started thinking like, how did my mother do this? Like my brother was diagnosed almost at the same age. How did she send him on the school bus? Yeah. Like, she didn't have the, I, she didn't know anything. It was, and she was using the old insulin. Yeah. Like I just was like, how do you, th that CGM is just a lifesaver in my mind. And anyone who has the ability to get one who doesn't is really just missing out. I think that you don't know what you're missing until you get it. Says the lady who won't move to an algorithm because of the control. <laughs> 
I, I'm no, no, ready no. to move. I just need them to tweak things. Listen, I've, I've spoken to the pump companies. They don't want to listen to me, but I told them what I need. If these large corporations would just do what you asked them to do, you could. That's happen. it. I'll loop. No problem. <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated how the word loop has become like Kleenex. Yeah. Because your daughter's using Control IQ, somebody who's going to be using. By the time this comes out, people will be using Omnipod 5, um, these are just different algorithms made by different companies. But somehow the word loop has become synonymous with using an algorithm-based system. It's it's very uh, it's very interesting how that I happened. do remember years ago, like someone telling me you can hack your pump and you can make it. This is before anyone really came out with an official loop. And I was like, what? Why would I want to mess with that? Like, I'm good. Yeah. Like, everything was good. I can't tell you I, how well it works. It's really, it, it really works great. It just really does. I'm. I'll get there. Yeah, I've. Um, I, I think there's a time where people will hear this conversation, and it won't be that far in the future. And every major company is going to have an algorithm-based system that's going to make adjustments to your blood sugar. And I'm looking forward to that yeah, time. And most people, I think, who can get their settings right in those systems are going to see A1Cs in the sixes, probably with very little trouble. Right. It's, it's amazing. It's I mean, technology has come far. That's my guess. I don't know if I'm right or not, but that that is my guess. And I'm excited to see it. Uh, that's for certain. Because even your daughter who, you know, like, let's be honest, she's only had diabetes for a year and a half. She's 15. Like, she's got her no, A1- she's nine. She's oh, nine. excuse me, nine. She's got her, she's got her A1C at a, at a six. You know, you take that algorithm from her. I bet you she's not a six. Do you think? Right. Oh, for sure not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is a super exciting time for people using insulin. It really is. Um, yes. I'm thrilled you did this. You were terrific. Uh, oh, thanks so much. I, I I felt like you had you knew what you wanted to say and you had control of it, and uh, it makes it easier for me. So thank you. <laughs> thanks for having me. No, I really I can't tell you this is a. Um, it's easier to talk to people from New Jersey for me because you're talking fast. I'm talking fast. Nobody- I was like, please don't tell me to slow down. I was trying so hard. No, no, I don't mean fast in a bad way. Like, like, or if I had something to say and you were still talking. So this is a really interesting kind of East Coast thing, right? If you're talking, you're going along making a point, and I feel like, oh, here's where I'm going to say what I'm going to say, right? This fits, and I'm wrong. You just keep talking. <laughs> but people, which is great because I do the same thing. People from like other parts of the country stop and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm in the back of my head. I'm thinking, just keep talking. Like, <laughs> I, like, like I was wrong. Let's get past it. Like I tried to jump in at the wrong spot. It's cool, but they'll stop. They're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's okay. Go ahead. Then they're get polite. They're like, no, you go. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, like just steamroll over me stick together. Yeah. You, you couldn't make it three blocks in Manhattan. What do you think of that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just steamroll, keep going. You got a thought, keep it up. I I screwed up, and um and then I feel bad when I do it. Like when, you know, like when I'm talking and I don't stop for a second. Some people don't have the ability to jump in, and like I see conversation as like a very like like fluid back and forth thing. But there are some people who think of it as like you talk until you're completely finished talking. And then I'll talk until I'm completely finished talking. And I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know. Like, I like the I like the banter. So thank you. I thought it was terrific. My pleasure. I knew I was going to enjoy talking to Nina from the very first sentence that she spoke. 
she gave me her birth date or something and left some math up in there. And she goes, I'm going to let you do the math. And without pausing, she then told me the answer. And I thought, this is going to be fun. And she did not disappoint. Thank you very much, Nina. I'd also like to extend a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juicebox. If you're enjoying the Juicebox podcast, please take time to share it with someone else who you think may also enjoy it.